Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Let's just take a moment and relax and put aside everything else that might be going on. Whatever it is you might be doing or planning or thinking, just set it aside and let God reveal himself or reveal something about you or about your situation that you might have not been looking for or expecting. God does things his way. And often he brings to light things that we haven't seen, we haven't seen a perspective, and we don't want to just discount something because it doesn't fit in our expectations. So we've been talking a lot about the supernatural realm and the supernatural abilities that each one of us has already in our soul. And we've been talking about ways to stir them up and how to ask that they are for the Lord to put us in situations where we can learn about them. And one of the things I want to remind you about is, just as in the natural, we don't just look for one strength. We didn't learn to crawl and then just say, okay, I'm done. I've got this crawling thing down. I don't need to work on walking, I don't need to work on running, I don't need to work on singing or talking or eating, my, feeding myself. Instead, we learn to use every physical aspect of our physical body. Likewise, in the supernatural realm, your solical abilities, that are in your soul right now, they're all available to you. Now, God may draw your attention to one or two specifically, but don't discount other things he might be drawing you to as well. Because just as in the natural, you know, you use your eyes, you use your nose, your hearing, your taste, your your feeling, your senses. You you learn learn to use your hands. Now, some people are going to be better with their hands. Maybe they're going to be a musician. Some people are better with their voices. Maybe they're going to be a singer, for instance, or an athlete. That doesn't mean they don't use other aspects of their body. A great, you know, marathon runner doesn't say, well, I'm never going to use my hands. As soon as he's done, he's going to take a a drink of water and he's going to hold that bottle with his hands. So we want to be open to God and seek out and desire Every ability that's in our soul, every supernatural ability, supernatural ability that is already in our soul, we want every single one of them to be, for us to be comfortable 
with them working. You may not be as successful or or comfortable with some than in others. That's fine. But we never want to say, I'm not interested in that. If it comes with your soul and God's drawing your attention to it, or you, and that sometimes is just if you've got an interest in it, that's him drawing you. Go for it. And don't be afraid of making a mistake. We learn through the process. It's the process that's important, not achieving a goal, specifically not achieving a ministry. It's about relationships, a relationship with God, relationships with others, even a relationship with ourselves. Remember, you are a spirit. You have a soul. How do your soul and spirit relate to one another? These are some of the the processes that we're going through expose the lies and the misbeliefs and the preconceptions that our spirit, that our soul has about who we truly are, a spirit being. And what you believe about yourself, about your spirit, about your soul, about your body, about your relationship with God, what you believe about that will color, will influence what you hear from God. If you believe a certain thing about heaven and hell or backsliding or law and grace, that's going to color, influence what God tells you. You know, we have that example where, where Peter was arguing with, with God and saying, you know, I'm, you know, they're unclean. And God says, well, if I accept them, how can you, you know, don't call them unclean? And Peter had to change his mind. Even though it was sound doctrine, according to the religious principles, according to the Old Testament, according to, according to what he was taught, But God said, and the more time you spend with him, the more he's going to say. But I say. And you're going to learn, okay, this may be common understanding of how this works. You know, something like backsliding, for instance. I'm not sure why it keeps on coming up, but... Say, you know, you're you're struggling with thinking, okay, I've committed the, the unpardonable sin, or you've backslidden, you're far away from God. Whatever it is you believe about yourself, what really matters is what does God say? Now's the time, and for this is true for all of us, now is always the time to go to him and ask. What do you say? And we can be doctrinally correct logically correct, reasonably correct, historically correct, scripturally correct, and God will come along and say, but I say. And we go by what he says, 
Now, there's this fear that, okay, if we do that, we're going to be deceived. We're going to, it's good, easy, too easy to be deceived. That's why we have all these safeguards. That's why we have the scriptures and history and doctrine and uh, people in authority over us. And we have, you know, boards of directors for our ministry and our church. And, you know, there's safety in numbers and all this other stuff. You know, legal binding, you know, that we're, we're bound to. And restrictions and, and oaths and covenants. Because we're afraid. We're afraid that God can't keep us in the dire- going in the direction he wants us to go. We are far more uptight than he is. And I, I wonder if that doesn't go back to the whole idea of if we displease him, we will be punished. We'll lose our ministry or we'll lose our anointing or we'll, you know, miss out on something or he'll publicly expose us or we'll, again, displease him. That's law-based thinking. And don't shy away from looking at what you believe in these areas. This is really important, not for God, not for your spirit, but for your soul. Your spirit already knows the truth because your spirit is one with truth. God is truth. God is the ultimate and basically the only reality. Everything else is created from him, by him, and for him. But as as we make ourselves available to him, he's going to bring up whatever beliefs are keeping our soul from being healed and freed to be restored, reunited with our spirit. And part of that process will be stirring up and using and becoming good at the abilities, the supernatural abilities in your soul. You know, when you're healthy physically, you know, you can say, I'm healthy, I know I'm healthy because I feel good. Uh, my, my hands and arms and legs and feet and vision and hearing and sight, everything works well. So I know my body, my I'm healthy because everything works well and it feels good. And I, when I ask it to do something, it does it. Likewise, when that doesn't happen, when we have trouble breathing or we get a fever, we can tell there's something off in our body. There's something wrong. Now, in our soul, it's almost the opposite. Because we have been living so long with an unhealthy soul that as we experience freedom and wholeness and health in our soul, it kind of freaks us out. And this is why we can have a very emotional response to healing and mixed feelings about the abilities being used. 
it can get confusing. And it, we can have questions. And other people are going to question us. And sometimes we agree with them and go, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe this is too risky. Maybe I could hurt someone. Maybe I am deceived. There's only one person who can tell you. And that's God. But God says, what does he say to you? And very seriously, if if this is even something, you know, these learning to use the supernatural abilities is interesting to you and that's something you want to do, but God says, no, I want you to do paying attention over here. This is something I want you to be working on. Then do that. Because that's what's important. Your relationship between your soul and your spirit, which is one with God, that's far more important than anything someone might be teaching you or even what your desires are. Our confidence over time becomes in our ability to hear God and our confidence that he's that he loves us, that he's leading and guiding us. Now, the Christian experience, especially the more and more modern times, has become more and more complex. There are more and more and even increasing demands on a, a modern Christian. Oftentimes throughout history and in some places in the world today, the desire of, of a Christian is just to survive, just to live, and have the freedom to worship God to not denounce him and not to have to bow down to someone else's God. But then there's, for so many of us, and I think it's almost um, a far greater danger to get caught up in, you know, what somebody called the tyranny of the urgent. You know, how many times do you get called for a prayer circle? How many times do you get called on to, we need to praise God, we need to honor him, we need to do this, we need to do that? You need to give money here, you need to give money there, you need to give time here, you need to show up for this. You need to agree with me, you need to do this, you need to look this up, sing this song. We see needs all over, and we feel, you know, some people feel that compassion, oh, I need to... I see the problem, so I am part of the solution. Or some people, well, I'm told that this is what a good Christian should do, so this is what I'm going to do. We have to attend services. We have to, you know, X number of times a day. We have to be treating, you know, being part of our community, treating our, our family a certain way. But all those things are external. We talk about the simplicity of devotion to Christ. Do you not do any of those things? Maybe. But none of those things matter. None of those things are your responsibility. 
They may be your opportunity, but they're not your responsibility. There's, they're God's responsibility. Now, say you, you're in a, a, you know, a parent-child relationship. That child is your opportunity to learn how to be a good parent. Certain qualities and characteristics that you're not going to learn any other way. But that child's God is God, not you. You're not their shepherd. Your job is to bring them into a relationship with Christ. Show them that it's between the two of them. And the more you can show how enjoyable and fun and exciting and comforting and relaxing and peaceful and satisfying a relationship with God is, because it's the goodness of God that draws us. It's not the fear of hell. It's not the fear of evil. It's not the fear. It's the goodness of God that draws us. And as we focus more and more on the goodness of God and are drawn by that, other people, our family and our friends and strangers, they too will be drawn by his goodness. And that's not because of what you believe. You may, it may be a result of what you believe. But they're not going to say, now, what do you believe? One of my favorite stories from Madame Jean Guyon, I know I'm not pronouncing that right, but was when, well, along her very interesting life, she was living in a house in the middle of, of town, and people were, doctors were sending their hopeless cases to her to be healed. And a woman's friend was dying of cancer. And I, from my recollection is the she was a mother, she had children, she had responsibilities, and she was, the doctors had given up on her. And sent her to Madame Guyon as a last-ditch effort. And her friend sat outside, the, you know, in, in another room, and she went in and, and talked with her. And she came back out, and... Her friend asked her how to go, basically. And her response was, I have to know God. I want to know God. I have to know him. Well, what do you mean? I, 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 want, I want God. I, I have to know him. And her friend said, well, what about the cancer? Did you get healed from the cancer? And her, her, her friend said, well, yes, yes, but I have to know God. The circumstances in our life become incidental when we are in the presence of God. We are changed in the presence of God. The more time you spend with him, the more you will recognize the presence of God that's already there. The abilities that are latent in your soul will begin to automatically activate. 
I love how, you know, Peter would walk down the street and his shadow would heal people. That's what I want. I don't even want to have to talk to anybody. I want to be able to lay my hands on a hospital and have everybody in the hospital walk out. Whole, healthy, free. I'm not sure the hospital would be thrilled with that, but <laughs> wouldn't that be great? Let's shut down all the hospitals. I don't want to have to be specific. I have, you know, we all have certain things that we don't want to, you know, that we're concerned about, you know, making, especially making mistakes. Nobody likes making mistakes. I know I certainly don't. So that's always been, I just want to be able to do it without even being aware of it. Jesus walking around, somebody, you know, if they're pressing against him and, and a a woman touches the hem of his garment, and he turns around and says, well, wait, who, who touched me? And his disciples go, well, wait a minute, you've got tons of people pressing up against you. Tons of people just touched you. He said, no, healing just left me. Virtue, my presence, my power just left me. Who to go into? Now, I, you know, he's God. He knew who it was. God never asks a question that he doesn't know the answer to. The questions are for our benefit, not for his. He already knew. He wanted to make a big deal out of it. But how many other people have been pressing up against him? Nothing. No results. No no exchange. And why that one woman? Well, we won't get too far into it, but she was ready. She drew it out of him. There was an expectation there. It was her time. Many, many reasons. We don't, because we don't want to come up with a formula. But guess what? If that woman wasn't there, she wouldn't have been healed that day that way. And if, if Jesus wasn't there, she wouldn't have been healed that way that day. If the crowd wasn't there, the story wouldn't have been the same. So every story, every circumstance stands on its own. Another part of the the scriptures I love is where it just says that if all the things that Jesus did could be written in books, that there would not be enough books to contain them. He was so so much busier than we have a record of. He turned the world upside down. People were speechless. The Jews were speechless. The Pharisees were speechless. The officials, the, the Roman Romans were a were speechless. The guards that came to take him were speechless. He was one with Father. We are in him. Now, he had a specific purpose. So his circumstances his father created circumstances 
for him to achieve his purpose. There's never going to be another savior. Nobody else will ever have to die on a cross and pay for the sins of the world because they've already been paid for. Now, there may be other sacrifices, other people to stand in the gap. Circumstances pivot around. But there will never be another son of God the way he was the son of God. Now, Adam was the first son of God. Created in the likeness and image of his father, God. But Jesus was the second. And you and I, we could say, are the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth. We are joint heirs. We are all sons now. You're a saint. You're not a sinner. You were a sinner. And for a microsecond, you were both. But no longer. Now you're you're a saint. You're you're in the beloved. You're holy and righteous and one with God, in your spirit. And again, one of our circumstances in our life is we get the opportunity to stir up and use our supernatural abilities. As we learn, and we're going to get into some specifics, as we learn and see the examples in in the scriptures, and maybe even we'll go into other historical accounts of what power and authority are available to us, to all of us, special little honeys, no God's preferred little saint, all of us, it's available to all of us. God is no respecter of persons. These abilities are in all of us. It's not about an anointing or being on the right level or having the right person pray for you. Now, these things all contribute, but their function is to stir up something that's already in you. The abilities are already in you. As you do that, what were we talking about before? You know, my big thing, I don't like making mistakes. No, You know, I don't think anybody likes to, you know, be a failure. But, for instance, I would then go, okay, is that fear of making a mistake keeping me from trying this? Or is the fear of people seeing that I'm a failure keeping me from doing that, trying this, seeing if this works. We're going to make a lot more failures, a lot more mistakes than we are going to do things right. Who cares? I like to think about Jesus, okay? What was probably the biggest thing he did? Let's just throw out there raising Lazarus from the dead. I think that's pretty big. I think that... That says a lot. He could. He didn't even lay hands on him. He didn't 
say any magic words. He didn't sprinkle any holy water on his friend Lazarus. And I think it's real interesting, we'll go into some other time, that it was his friend. Not just a stranger. Everybody knew that they were friends. And everybody knew that he'd been dead and was buried. And that his friend, who maybe could have helped him, maybe could have healed him, stayed away. But what do you think? I wonder if that was the first person that Jesus rose from the dead, raised from the dead. Maybe he started out with animals. But I'll bet that Lazarus was not the first person he raised. I'll bet he tried with others and maybe failed until he learned how to do it right. And then he had the confidence to do it in public. He had to learn how his soul worked just as we are going to learn how our soul works. He had to learn how to walk, how to talk, how to use the bathroom, how to feed himself. And he had to learn how his soul worked, how to communicate with his father, how to hear him. How to, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. He, trial, he tried things, he failed. He tried to walk, he fall down. So we, you and I, can learn. We don't have to be afraid of failing. We don't have to be afraid of making mistakes. We're going to embrace it. Practice failing. Just like the whole idea of don't be, don't be concerned about being rejected. You're going to be rejected, I guarantee it. Our goal is to learn how to go to get comforted by God. The more you rejected, the more you can go to him. And he'll say right now, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So thanks for tuning in. We'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, this has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night.